Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. Come to the time in our service in which we hear God's word read. We do invite you, those who are able, to stand for the reading of God's word as we honor his word and his truth. Today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 20 through 33. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. These are the words of Jesus told to his disciples shortly before his arrest and crucifixion. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe, Jesus replied? A time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone for my father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. So Lord, speak your truth. Speak, give us your presence. Let us know who you are this day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Somehow we have come to think that being a Christian means that we will suffer less. We think that whenever we said yes to following Jesus and to being a Christian, that we have chosen the easy road of life, though there is plenty of evidence to the contrary, that following Jesus is actually quite a difficult road. And we see a lot of the evidence in Scripture itself. I mean, Jesus said to follow me, and then he went along a path that included being beaten, ridiculed, and crucified. And we follow him and we think, well, that won't happen to us. He says to us to take up your cross and follow me, this this painful act of sacrifice 
and suffering. In fact, as we, as we hear about the story of, of the disciples of Jesus, um, 11 of the 12 of them were martyred for their faith. In fact, a lot of early Christians, and even today, there are Christians who are martyred and persecuted for their faith. First Peter, the, the disciple Peter, he wrote, Be self-controlled and vigilant always, for your enemy the devil is always about, prowling like a lion, roaring for its prey. There's all this evidence that life of a Christian is painful and difficult and includes suffering. And then we have these words of Jesus that are as plain as can be. In this world, you will have trouble. Can I get an amen for that, right? Sometimes we find ourselves, in this world, you will have trouble. Nailed it, Jesus, right? Like, this is part of the truth. Now, now what does it mean to have trouble, all right? Now, there are some times in which um, we receive trouble, and there's other times in which we um, do trouble, and there are some times that we are in trouble, right? And so, kids, I invite you to, in box one, draw a time that you were in trouble, because there are times in which we find ourselves getting into trouble ourselves, that the trouble we're in is our own fault. Sometimes it's about what happens to us. Sometimes we're, tr- we're trying to do some good, and it doesn't work out as well. There is trouble all around us. In this world, you will have trouble. And in this text, he, he ended with that line, but at the beginning, he made this sort of journey from grief to joy and that these two things are united. He says, you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. And I think that we find that these things are true, that weeping and rejoicing, grieving and celebrating, that there is there's some sort of combination um, that happens when this, these deep experiences, these deep moments in life in which they hit us. And so I think of sometimes in which these moments of great joy can also be moments of great sorrow. Um, in uh, in a, about a week and a half, or, or about a week, we're going to have our first day of preschool for our Growing God's Children preschool. And on that drop-off day with those precious parents who are dropping off their babies, sometimes for the very first time, there's a lot of emotions that go involved. And sometimes it's the kids. <laughs> and so what we're doing on those first days of school is that we are hosting a boohoo breakfast for the parents. So they can drop off their kids and then come cry in a different part of the church together. Right? There are these moments of, of, of sadness and of joy. I remember when uh, we took our oldest, Micah, uh, to, to kindergarten. And we lived just a couple blocks from the, the school. And, and you know, when, when we dropped him off and just the feeling of heaviness of like, we're just leaving our, our baby there with people we don't know. And, and, and he's, a, he's a great kid and confident like we knew he was going to do well. But there's still this heaviness to it. And I remember it really hit me the second day. We were walking to school, and, and Micah was just walking ahead of us. And, and, was, and I just wanted him to, like, slow down, like, stay with this. But at the same time, I wanted him to slow down to be. I was also so proud of him and so much joy that he was ready to run, right? That there are some times in, in our life in which we experience both sadness and joy. And that, that there's something about the way that these are interconnected. And I think part of what we have to do is understand how do we go from grief to joy? What does that journey look like? And part of the base of both grief and joy is love. 
I, I, I enjoy WandaVision. Um, if you haven't watched WandaVision, I highly recommend it. It's a, it's a show um, of, of, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and there's this line in it that just really stood out to me. And it said, what is grief if not love persevering? Is that, that grief is really based upon love, that because we've loved, that whenever something happens and there, there's pain, that, that love continues even if that didn't. And as I was thinking about that, I thought about this, what, if, what is joy if not love exploding and overflowing? What is grief if not love persevering? What is joy if not love overflowing? And so we have to understand, okay, how do we take this journey from sorrow to joy? And the basis of all of that is love. Now, when we experience grief, what I, what, what, the way I understand it is that what I call the grief gap between what is and what we think should be, all right, between what, what is the reality of life, the reality of the situation, and, and you all have gone through your own stories and your own journey of what is and what should be. And, and, and we have this gap that we have to do something with. And so sometimes the trouble that we experience causes this gap to get wider and wider. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, what do we do when we experience trouble? How do we process it? What do we do with this grief gap that we have? Kids in box two, I wonder what happens when you get in trouble. Uh, draw what, what, what you do when you get in trouble. And so when we experience trouble, that trouble produces grief, and, and how we handle this gap determines who we become. Now, there's really um, kind of two broad pathways. There's a lot more nuance th to this, but I think that um, there, there's two broad ways that we can handle this grief gap between what is and what should be, all right? And one thing is that one path is kind of the path of ignoring it. We can walk down this path in which we ignore grief, or maybe we grieve a little bit and we say, you know what, I've already cried, so I should be good. Um, and there's no right way or wrong way to handle grief. There's only your way in this situation. And so if we ignore our grief, and if we say, you know what, I don't want to grieve, then what's going to happen is, is that this grief is going to fester, and it's going to want to come out in anger. Now, one of the interesting things about anger is that it is okay to be angry. Last week, we preached on Jesus he, he, he wept and prayed over Jerusalem. And then the very next thing that he did was turn over the tables in this righteous anger that he had. There are some times that what is and what should be, what it should produce is some sort of anger. Now, how we release that anger and what we do with it is key, all right? But we experience this anger from our sadness. But if we, our grief and our anger doesn't go anywhere, if we say this line that isn't true, I'm not supposed to feel this way, if we try to squelch it down so that it shouldn't exist, then what happens is, is that it turns into bitterness. And so our anger produces bitterness when it becomes repressed. And there are probably some people, and you may know them, all right, because of something that happened five years ago or 55 years ago, they've been bitter for a long time because they've held in this grief, they've held in this anger, and it's become bitterness. And maybe that's even you today. You're, you, you, you've realized that, that because of something that happened, you've, you've set up a wall and your heart is hard. And this is what really happens with bitterness is that it produces this hardness of heart in us. And what we end up saying is we look down and we say, I won't ever hurt like that again. I won't ever hurt like that again. 
and we close ourselves off. I'm sure we probably know people who we said that. I'm never going to love again because I do not want to feel that pain again. I will never hurt like that again. And so the hardness of heart and the bitterness and the anger just all stays in. And the hard thing with that is that God's goodness doesn't even flow in as well. Is that we prevent people from loving us because we don't ever want to experience pain. Because we have this unprocessed grief. And that road ultimately leads to death. And we've all probably known somebody who died bitter and alone because they never opened themselves back up. Now, the second path when trouble comes our way is, is where we process our grief. And again, it's this grief gap between what is and what should be. And we have to take this journey, all right? And we have to walk the whole thing. Again, some of us are like, well, I've done part of the work, but we need to do the whole work. And I don't know what that looks like for you. But what we have to do is whenever we experience this grief gap is that we have to weep. This takes us a long part of the journey is to weep and to mourn and to experience that this isn't the way it should be and to realize that Jesus weeps with us. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago so that we can get to the other side of grief, which is joy. And so what happens when we weep is we become people of humility because when I have a hard heart, when I become bitter, what I am saying is I don't need help from anybody. I don't need help from anybody not even you, God. I've got this, and I'm choosing this way. I am strong enough. I can handle it myself. But whenever I weep, when I mourn, when I bow before God with my tears, it's a posture of humility that says, I need you, God. And what happens is, is that we begin to have a heart of hope. Instead of a hard heart, we have a heart of hope because instead of looking down and saying, I won't ever hurt like that again, we begin to change our way we look and we look up and we say, God, I believe you can do something. God, do something. It's this posture of need and desperation, of humility, of realizing that we need a God to weep with us, that we don't always have to be the strong one, and that God has a way of making a way when there seems to be no way. God, you can do something. And ultimately, the end of this path is not death, but it's resurrection. It's on the other side of grief is this incredible joy. And so what Jesus tells us in this scripture are these incredible words. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Now, there, there's two words that I think are just so important, um, and, and you may not even pick up on it, but these two words are in me, so that in me you may have peace. Now, what Jesus is not saying is that, is that life will be peaceful, that everything is going to go your way, that if you follow me, everything is going to just go right, that that's what it means to follow me, that your situation is not going to always work out. What he is saying is that in me, you will have peace, is that you will know me. You will experience that even in the difficult times, I am there with you. This is what he wants is for you to experience the prince of peace in the moments of pain. Paul prays for one of the churches that they may have peace that passes all understanding. And one of the biggest evidences to me of God's goodness 
is when I experience the peace that passes understanding because I know that I've trusted Jesus. In me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Now, I was uh, trying to be a good pastor, and so every once in a while, I look up words in their original language because they interest me. And so I looked up this Greek word that means trouble. I was curious, what does this word mean? And it's this word, thalipsis. All right, can you say thalipsis? You know, the great thing about like Greek is, uh, one, you all, some of you are like, oh, he said something, I better pay attention. Um, but part of like Greek is you don't know if, you, if we pronounce that word right or not, all right? Um, but I'm pretty sure that's how I'm supposed to say it, all right? Thalipsis. Now, thalipsis does not mean trouble. It doesn't mean hardship. It doesn't mean difficulty. The word thalipsis, it's, it's actually more of a metaphorical word. It means to press. It means to contract. It means to squeeze. And so in this world, you will be pressed. In this world, you will be squeezed. In this world, things will come against you. In this world, you will fill in a corner. And so for, for Jesus's disciples, when they heard this word, the ellipsis, there's a couple of images that probably would have come to, to mind. Um, and so one of those would, would be kind of the threshing floor. Now, I have, I have never threshed wheat, all right? I'm not really a farmer, and there's probably some of you who farmed and been around, and you're like, Aaron, you're going to butcher this, and you're probably right. But here's what I know about, about the process, is they take that sled that would be there, and, and they would have a donkey and would, would walk around and would press the wheat so that the wheat and the chaff, that stuff that just needs to float away, not the good grain, all the rest of it would float away and it needed to be pressed so that what was on the inside could come out. The good part could be exposed and could be utilized, all right? Another good image would, would be um, to think about uh, crushing grapes, that you would crush the grapes so that the juices of the grapes would be squeezed out, all right? And so that would be a process of the lipsis to be pressed, to be stomped on, all right? Maybe one way that we would think about it is, you know, there's two ways to, to make lemonade, right? You can squeeze a lemon, or you can get the old country powder and do it that way, right? So, but, but that same idea of like squeezing a lemon and getting the juice out, that's the ellipsis. You squeeze what's on the outside to get on the inside. And so kids in box three, I invite you to draw a picture of a lemonade stand. And here's what we know about the ellipsis and what it means with trouble. Is that when you are pressed, what's on the outside, what's on the inside comes out. When you are pressed, What's on the inside comes out for others to see. Now, I'm not going to ask anybody to tell me how well they do this, all right? Because I think probably there are times in our lives in which um, we said, Aaron, if you would have seen me being squeezed or pressed, what came out wasn't what I want to have come out. The anger, the bitterness, the frustration, the words... The thoughts, all this stuff that was squeezed. I'm not saying we should be perfect. But I think whenever we are pressed, it's an indication of what is at the heart. When you and I are pressed, what comes out is what is on the inside. And so the question is, what is inside you? You know, they say that adversity doesn't build character. It reveals it. I think there's a lot of truth in that. And when we experience the pressure of life, 
the squeezing of life, we realize and we learn, is Jesus really at the center of our life? Because in those moments of pain, in those moments of difficulty, do I realize, do I trust him, do I hope in him? A few years ago, I was going through a a difficult season, and and there are times in our lives in which we go through difficult season in which it feels like we are are being pressed over here and pressed over here and pressed over here and squeezed here and all these things, and we're just like, can I just get one good thing, right? Can I just have this like one moment of peace? But sometimes life just seems like it's overwhelming and we're squeezed in every side. And so what was happening in my life is, is I felt like I was, I was being pressed, I was being squeezed, I felt like in some ways I was being stomped on like the grapes. And, and the strangest thing, and I say the strangest thing happened to me, is that I realized I trusted Jesus. I realized that while on the outside all these things were happening, on the inside I thought, you know what, Lord, I do trust you. It's not just something I preach about. It's not just something I teach about. It's not just something I say occasionally. It is something that's at the core of who I am is that I trust in Jesus. And I want that for every one of us. I want us to realize that Jesus is at the center of who we are. So kids, I invite you in box four to draw a picture of Jesus in your heart. Is Jesus at the center of your heart? When we are pressed and squeezed and crushed, is he there? Or do we give in to that despair? Do we give in to that fear? Do we give in to all those other things? Do the problems become so overwhelming? Or do we give it to the one who overwhelms us with love? In this world, you will have trouble. That is a promise from Jesus. But the second part is even more important. But take heart for I have overcome the world. Is that whenever we go through these difficult moments, whenever we are squeezed and pressed and crushed, whenever we go through these things, Jesus invites us to take heart because he has already overcome this world. And that because Jesus suffered and died and was resurrected, there is hope no matter what you are going through. And the way that we go from sorrow to joy is to walk with Jesus. One of the great things about Jesus is he isn't just at the end of the road saying, come on, you can make it, but that he shows us by coming and meeting us while we are at our weak moments and walking with us. He journeys alongside of us. I love the way that Paul wrote these words in 2 Corinthians and says this, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always makes me think of the song, Trading My Sorrows. I don't know if some of y'all remember that song. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my fear. I'm trading it all for the joy of the Lord. And there was a moment in that song, I'm pressed, but not crushed. Persecuted, not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And, And there's a moment in the song in which we just say, yes, Lord. I remember being at worship as a, as a teenager and just, yes, Lord. I mean, that, that is sometimes our only prayer we have is, yes, Lord, I believe in you. I'm trading my sorrows for the joy of the Lord. Because no matter what happens, God is with me. But I never really paid attention to the next line. This is 2 Corinthians 4.10. It says, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. 
That's a really strange thing to say. I don't carry around the death of people in my body. What, is, what does he mean by that? And I think it is this idea that we remember that Jesus died. We carry that around. We walk with it. It becomes a reality of our life that Jesus suffered and died. We carry around his suffering. In fact, we choose to walk into suffering. To me, Christians are like firefighters. While everybody else is running away from the flames, Christians run in. We choose to run into messy places and hot places because Jesus is ahead of us. We carry around the death of Jesus so that we also may carry around the resurrection of Jesus. So we remember that no matter what we go through, Jesus suffers with us. And that Jesus has a way to take death and make it into life. I don't know your story, but I know that you have one. And in your story, there are moments of death. There are moments of pain. There are moments of suffering. There are moments in which you cry out, if, it, if any more happens to me, I don't think I can take it. Lord, I was at the end of my rope five miles ago. But God calls us to this journey of sorrow to joy. That it is possible to take that journey. So where are you at today is probably part of our question. Where are you at in the grief gap? Are there things that maybe bitterness has taken hold because you haven't allowed yourself to process it? Are you open to experiencing the joy that is possible? Sometimes we can get so stuck in our grief that we forget that joy is possible. But resurrection means that the worst thing is never the last thing and that we can be joyful and celebrate because Jesus has overcome in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome this world. And the peace of Christ is right here in our hearts, and he is with us. And my hope and prayer is that when you are squeezed, and some of you are like, yep, I'm being squeezed right now this week, that you would realize that Jesus is there and he's got you safe. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.